Hello, Toots. Well, hi. I have actually been watching something that I've really been enjoying. It's a little show called Misrepresented oh. by one Annabelle Crabb. Um, <laughs> bloody well done. It's fantastic. Oh, it's so thanks, interesting. Um, one of the bits that I've absolutely loved, and do you know what was so hilarious? It's episode two and the bit at the start where all of the women tell this story where they're talking about the experience of being the only woman in yep. a meeting. And it ranges across the whole political spectrum from yep. Bronwyn Bishop at one end to Sarah Hansen Young at the other, and mm. they all have pretty much the identical experience in meetings of proposing an idea and then no one really pays any attention and then someone else proposes it down the track and it's like, that was my idea. Yep. Um, when I was watching it, I was thinking, for the entire episode, I was thinking, wow, this it feels really just familiar to me. It's like it just feels so right. It's like a song that's just being plucked. It's just so familiar and right. And then I realised, oh, that's because Crab sent you the rough cut and you've actually seen it before. <laughs> Obviously very memorable. You're like one of about two people in the world that saw a rough cut of that episode. In like... I, know, what I, I think I tweaked it about like minute 18 or yeah. something. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've seen this episode before. What are the, what are the things that really gets me watching it? I mean, I enjoy the contemporary reflections, but mostly it's the little-known historical women yeah. that I find absolutely fantastic. And I think one of the real services that you've done with this project is sort of giving a voice to people who probably weren't paid that much attention at the yeah. time, really, and, yeah. and sort of making it clear what absolute trailblazers they were. Yeah, like like um, Margaret Guilfoyle and Susan Ryan, you know, in the 70s and 80s, just literally the only women in Cabinet, you know, oh. of their respective parties and just what that would have been like. In fact, I mean, God, you remember that Susan Ryan, who we were talking to, died, you know, um, four days before we were due to shoot with her. And we'd, like, she'd been really helpful. Margaret Guilfoyle was past being able to talk to us by that age. She was much, like, considerably older. And she died last year too. Um, but, oh, my God, just the news. I'll never forget. Um, I remember the day. <laughs> texted, me. texted me and said, Susan Ryan's dead. I'm like, what? That's not possible. Because I was just talking oh. to her yesterday. And, you know, we had actually put back our appointment to film with her because she was getting her sodding floors done. Oh I know. My God. So I remember and you was... talking to me about that because you were because she was such a pivotal figure. Yeah. And you were so looking forward to it and, and yeah, then you texted me and gone, Oh no, she's died and it's like oh It's such because an I knew person. the stories that she could tell and it was like watching and I'm not saying that I I wasn't upset about the death of her as a person I was, but it was just the physical I almost felt the physical loss of those stories like it was like yeah. you know it was like seeing a kind of suitcase full of precious things just sink into the sea or something you yeah know? it was just like anyway and, and it was interesting because in the days after she died one of the things that we did to sort of you know keep busy was to just absolutely start motoring through her archive and you know trying to build a portrait of her from old archive. But the sodding annoying thing is that mostly she was she gave interviews about, you know, in documentaries about Paul Keating or in documentaries oh, about Bob Hawke, right? right? So she's talking mainly about the men that she worked with and, and not really so much about herself. Um, anyway, but I think we did manage to get together a, you know, a good um, kind of portrait of her and um, she was, you know, both of those women really, Guilfoyle and Ryan are remembered really fondly across both sides of politics. Like, that I, was interesting. 
I'm wondering uh, if <laughs> you must get so sick of people making remarks like this, but I'm wondering if perhaps there's a book in it for you, uh, sort of women who've been forgotten through the ages, Australian women who should have received more attention at the time, but haven't. I think that would be a lovely book for you to do. Actually, look, the thing is, there is a book. I mean, there already is, and it's um, Julia Baird's book, Media Tarts, which is she's she has just put out a new edition. I'm talking of that. more broadly. I'm talking women in science. I'm talking women in the arts. I'm talking very broadly. I think I might speak with this voice for the rest of the podcast. I love what you take on that voice. Do you know what's dreadful is? So Christopher Sale, my makeup artist, and I often use this voice, and we call it Mrs. Vera McKenzie. It's a running gag that we've got. And uh, yesterday, my ex-husband popped in to uh, exchange children with me, and I was on the phone to Chris using this voice. And Phil thought I was impersonating his grandmother. Oh. Yeah, mate, I've heard you use that voice to impersonate a whole lot of people. Like, it's, it's sort of just generic old just, lady voice. I it's don't like know. slightly interfering kind of, you know, <laughs> why don't you stop what you're doing and start doing this kind of Chris, Chris and I use it for a whole... I mean, I, I don't really know who the... It's it's a sort of invented character, but it has this familiarity But you probably get it. a few letters from that person, right? Like, well, yeah, that's right. We've got in the back of my work notes, Book. We've got a whole lot of sort of sayings that this character uses, and they just they bubble up out of nowhere that we oh sort God. of f- somehow find them. But it, it's sort of lines like, "And what does your father do?" <laughs> like just those kind of kind of things. Anyway, oh God, just, I don't know where it's come from, but anyway, well, look, yeah, no, that would be a good. Um, that would be a, a good and very interesting book. And I do think, now this is not me letting you talk me into writing it because I do not have the time to write another book, but. It's true that right now we are in this really interesting space where all this history of women working, moving into various workplaces is not very old, right? Like, so the women, like, you know, you and I know the woman who was the first woman to work underground in the resources sector in um, WA. And she's not even very old, right? And she's got stories about, yeah, yeah, I turned up and all the blokes walked off the job because they refused to work underground, you know, with a woman. There were no toilets. There were no, you know, um, protective wear that would fit me, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, this is... We're in a generation where we can still talk to yeah, the women who right. had all of these like full-on experiences like, you know, oh, yeah, there weren't any toilets for me and I'm obsessed with toilets, as you know. Um, but, yeah, I I think um, that's part of the reason that I wanted to make that show was because like the first woman to do X, Y and Z, you know, in some cases aren't even of retirement age yeah. yet, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I do recommend Julia Baird's book because um, – I mean, she wrote it something like 17 years ago, Media Tarts. It was her PhD thesis, actually, turned yeah. into a book. And um, and she's now updated it. But, oh, my God, like it actually the original edition is still pretty relevant. Like it's there's heaps of stories from that book that we drew on for, for Misrepresented. And so if you enjoy the show, definitely look up this book because it's, it's also got a, you know, rather piercingly brilliant new foreword written by, oh, um, oh yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, far bit from me to blow any more smoke up you already. Mate, there's room up here. Ass. There's room for more smoke. <laughs> but, I just found some more room. <laughs> but uh, I think it's... You've done a really good bit of work there, love. It's creative, it's innovative, and it's it's shone a light on something that, you know, I think when people see it they feel sort of two things, like 
wow, it's kind of obvious. Why hasn't yeah. anyone done this before? Um, but also like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And obviously some of it's quite recent history, yeah. like say Ros Kelly in the 80s or whatever. Mm. So you feel like, wow. Anyway, I think um, very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Always say so. Frightens me when you're nice to me. (laughs) I've also got something else that's going to really sort of set you back on your haunches, which is you've recommended something that I've actually gone and watched. (laughs) What? (laughs) That doesn't sound right. (laughs) I know. Um, So you said that your kids had been watching the Mysterious Benedict Society, which they loved, which I got my kids onto, and they also love, and every single day they refresh to go, is there a new episode yet? Is there a new episode yet? Fridays. It's Fridays the day. Oh, it's Friday. Yeah, it's Fridays. Absolutely loving it. God, I feel... I'm a, I feel a bit emotional. You've been really, really, really seriously nice to me and now you've like listened to me and done sure something I'll, that I'll, I said. I'll be able to bring it back around. It's so it. good, isn't it? Oh, Tony Hale. Yeah, and also, just a genius. What's her name? Kristen? Kristen Shawl. Yeah. She's just so great. Oh, my it God. me how much I loved her in um, Flight of the Concords. Of course. <laughs> I mean, she's absolutely brilliant. She and is. I, her character in this, like she's the sort of oddball assistant to Mr Benedict who's, you know, leading a f- – fight for for the forces of good against some sort of mysterious and fairly nebulous force of evil. But um, she is, like, A, so kooky. Like, have you got to the bit where she cooks the um, uh, degustation meal for the... um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's great. And her outfits are just... I loved how she... Also in... um, She was in... 30 Rock playing this page called Hazel, who was this evil page who was sort of out oh to get Oh, my God, I remember that, yeah. Just, she's so funny. She's so good, that actor. The, mm. the thing with Mysterious Benedict Society, I, I haven't looked it up, but I texted you to ask, so if somebody else can be bothered to do the legwork and just send us a message or something. Um, Did I not so reply? It's so Wes Anderson. No, 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 it's so Wes Anderson. Yeah. And I said to you, has Wes Anderson got anything to do with this? And you said, I don't know, I don't think so. But I don't it, think it so. Is very, but there's shot. so many references, right? Like it's, oh, it's everything about it. It's the kids' uniforms at the school. Well, are, what was the film with Bill Murray where it starts? The kids are like Rushmore. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, no. Oh no, no. The you, kids you, are on you, a camping kind of. Oh, um, Moonlight Kingdom. Um, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. No, not Moonlight. Something What's it called? Like that. Oh, oh you, God. Yeah. You guys know Look it up, mean. people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the way it's. Fra- the shots are framed and the way the sets are done and the use of the colour and stuff. It's super Wes Anderson. It's incredibly lush, isn't it? And yeah. it's got that same – I mean, the books have got the ha- – have absolutely got a lock on that sort of slightly kooky, magical and yet prosaic sort of yeah. Um, vibe yeah. that is um, – yeah, it's kind of like a little bit mythical but also super modern but also very stylized. Yeah, yeah. it's – um, oh, my gosh, I'm just enjoying it so much. And it is like, I don't know, like a family is like a Venn diagram. Finding something that you all like really look yeah. forward to is just really Well, a funnily win. enough, because we were on that um, app, we spotted Cruella. We were looking for something to watch. Oh, yeah. Which that was fantastic. Really? Yeah. I haven't watched that yet. Oh, it's really good. Emma Thompson is superb as ever and um, – Oh, what's the girl's name who's in it? Famous young actress, Emma, Emma Stone, maybe? Mm. Uh, can't remember. One anyway. of the beautiful Emmas. Yeah, uh, I think it's Emma Stone, yeah. She's Cruella. So it's the kind I of like backstory about how Cruella Deville became Cruella Deville. And it's Is this a sort of we're running out of female heroes moment for <laughs> yeah, Disney? Like, like we've got to build anti-hero. a backstory of a minor evil lady. Is she super evil? Uh yeah, or do you sort find of. out that she's actually like, really great with kittens? It's a kittens. bit like the Joker. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a bit like just you know, hate the, dogs, guys. You know those, you know those backstories where 
I think the joke is one of them where they they actually start out okay, but then they have their life circumstances. They become evil, but it's like, okay, now I understand why you're evil. So that's kind of like it with Cruella. Running out of content. (laughs) Running out of content. It was actually quite good and my kids also really loved it. It's long though. It took two nights to watch. It was more than two hours. And uh, how do the dogs perform? Are they they real dogs? They They um, are, yes, real. There's some real Dalmatians there. That'd be a bloody headache to be the (sighs) animal wrangler on, wouldn't it? Oh, so annoying. But no, they, the uh, dogs went well. Some of the clothes are fantastic. Oh, okay. As well, All right. Now I'm really interested. Good. I think you'd quite like it. Okay. Actually, yeah. All right. Yes. I'm on that. Um, yes. I actually watched um, Man from Snowy River with my kids last night. <laughs> And I just loved it. I mean, it's such... The original? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Tom Berlinson. Oh. And um, oh, the music came straight into my head. Yeah, it's very gallopy, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a lot of Jack Thompson just going... It's just like... He's got about four lines, but all of them are just you know, perfectly <laughs> delivered. It's just, yeah, it is. I remember first seeing it when I was probably my daughter's age, so it's quite funny watching her see it. She's like, she's yelling, you know, stop stop mansplaining to your daughter. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. She's grown up in the house with me. Um, now, I, before we uh, perforate this feeling of intense mutual admiration, mm. I will mention that mm. I, too, have followed your advice in recent. <laughs> what the hell is going on? In fact, I will disclose to you that I am so addicted to the bureau. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, but I woke up at five o'clock this morning and watched a sneaky episode yeah, in bed before oh, anybody got up. That's what it does to you. Oh where, my where how far into it are you? Okay, so I'm at the bit where he's just told Nadia. Like who he is. Oh, and say, okay. I mean, yeah. series one. Like I'm, you know, but it must be about episode seven or eight, though. I guess that's just the oh, spot yeah. on. Yeah, that's where I am. Okay. So, um, oh god. Oh god, is there? Is there <laughs> it just, oh, it just gets stickier and stickier and stickier. Like mm. next time I ring you to say let's record a podcast, you're going to go. I can't. I can't. I can't I, speak. I've got to, uh, COVID. I can't leave the house. Yeah, you'll be right. Yeah. See, see, I'm going. I'm going solo on this too because I've gone through this, like Jeremy and I are totally out of whack with series because like he's watched the whole of Mayor of Easttown without me okay, and we watched the first couple of bureaus together but then he's been like, there's a couple, do you know what he's watching? (laughs) You're not going to like this. He's watching McCartney 321. Oh, that's on my list of things to talk about but I was going to talk about it next episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do that. Um, And so I've sort of just I'm out of sync so I'm now watching like on my phone the bureau in bed which is like a profoundly unhealthy thing to do. Jeremy's got in the same way that I could not stop telling you you've got to watch the bureau you've got to watch the bureau Jeremy's got this thing where he wants me to yeah I know Is he just constantly at Any you? interaction that I have with him, he's like, have you watched 1971 yet? You've got to watch it. Like he's just really needing wow. to watch it. Wow, I just it. told him the other day that you haven't watched Cabaret and he's like, he actually, it just, <laughs> he had a physical reaction to it. Like his face just went like he'd been punched in the stomach. He's like, what? What? <laughs> um, I notice you haven't watched that yet. Oh, I'm so glad that you're loving the Bureau. It's amazing. It, mm, and oh it just gosh. gets better and better and better. Um, speaking of things getting better and better and better that are set in Paris, I think were last- we? Oh, yes, we were. <laughs> wow, you're the lord of the Segway, aren't you? I barely felt that going in. <laughs> Actually, speaking of lord of the Segway, my friend Mark Humphreys the other week sent me... Um, Are you friends with Mark Humphreys? I am. Clang. <laughs> he sent me uh, a link to the first ever performance of Riverdance by Lord of the Dance, Michael Flatley. 
Sorry. <laughs> Which I've never seen before. Just had a sip of tea and then it nearly went out my nasal I don't know enough about Irish dance to know why it was so innovative, but apparently it was like super innovative. But you could tell by the way it was that the first performance <laughs> of it. Like I wish Mark was here to take the story over because he seemed to know a lot about it. Wow. Disturbingly. <laughs> but, Tall um, gangly man knows a lot about river dance. Uh-huh. That checks out. Um, it was... Performed at like a, what's that European song contest? Eurovision? Eurovision, yeah, sorry. Jeez, mate, are you all right? (laughs) (laughs) It was performed at a Eurovision that uh, Ireland was hosting and Mm. so it was the sort of mid-time, half-time act. Yeah. Um, And so the Irish crowd, you can sort of tell by the way the crowd was watching it that they were completely spellbound. And at the end of it... I've never heard a crowd erupt the way that the crowd. Wow. It's worth watching just to hear the crowd eruption. They're completely spellbound and then it stops and they just absolutely lose their minds. It's like this, it's like they were bursting to applaud. It's just like this. God, sort now of, you've made me want to go back down a time tunnel and investigate river dance. Cause yeah, I did. After I watched it, I guess. So, it. how is it different to normal Irish dancing? Because well, there's always a bit of hands at your sides and not doing anything except in the leg department. Like, yeah. Isn't that I, all I, that, uh, I, Irish I'm not is? really, I need somebody who's knowledgeable to explain it to me. Because when I, because I did go and then Google it, but then I got sidetracked by. Into Highland dancing. <laughs> no, into what happened to Michael. Flatley and how so it became what did his, happen to him? Well, did he ever have to cash in on his reported insurance policy of a million dollars on his legs? Well, it was, it seemed like everyone was sort of taken by surprise at how huge it was. So after the reaction, then they've gone like, oh, well, this is huge, so let's build a whole show around it, which yeah. then became that massive, I think it was called River Dance, it became yeah. that hugely successful global show, and he became this gigantic superstar unexpectedly. Um, so <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was kind of. A strange thing to find myself watching. And why do you think that Mark Humphries was sending this to you? I don't know, actually. Okay. That, that also seems quite a relevant question, <laughs> just as a casual observer to this. Can you just text him right now far and ask? Be it, far be it from me to um, go through my personal text messages and see if there's one here that I could read aloud, but just let me see if that exchange with actually, Mark Actually, some of his would be fairly unprintable. Actually I here, because I oh, know I've deleted it. I was going to say oh if it was God, there, I could read your, it aloud. Your text but message I you deletions. What, I'll tell you what is there, that why um, would you delete that? Oh, God, says a woman whose text messages have been all over the federal court. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'll tell you what is here, though, uh, and I hope he wouldn't mind me sharing it, but just speaking of people uh, that unexpe- does. unexpectedly enjoyed um, misrepresented, from my extensive list of sporting contacts, the legendary Ian Chapel. No. Uh, just touching base to say good day. Annabelle's show was excellent and oh. important. Please congratulate her. Oh, there you go. Always been my favourite chapel. Ian Chapel, a fan Chappelle. of Annabelle Crab. Chapelli, an Annabelle Crab fan. Do you remember he used to have a? Didn't he used to have a show or or a like a like a stage show called Chapelli Chats? Uh, I'm pretty sure he did. did. He? Unless that's. Just... I love Ian Chapel. He's great. He's well. I love him too. As of about like seven <laughs> seconds ago, he's awesome. There's a quite odd. Following of um, what if he's a chatter? If he is, I will absolutely <laughs> die with my leg. I'm amazed in the air. sometimes at the sporting people that are fans of me or Seven Thirty because I know nothing about sport, and so any sporting people that are fans of me, I feel like I'm for some reason like a disappointment. <laughs> right, I don't, I can't explain it, but yeah, it's quite strange. Every now and again, sort of, I won't name them, but like I'm talking about like high-profile sporting people, yeah, who will reveal themselves as big fans, and I just feel like, oh god, Stubbledy Cook, just big fan of yours. Stay away. My my <laughs> children away. are just like 
obsessed with saying stubbledy cook right now. Speaking of sport, how could I have forgotten this? What? Australian Story has the missing elements of The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan doco. They've got a two-parter with Luke Longley and they've got Michael what? Jordan. They've got Scottie Pippen. They've Sorry? got Steve Kerr. They've got everyone. Phil Jackson. They've got everybody. Australian Story, Monday night, two-parter. How did that happen? I don't know because we tried God. to get Luke Longley and, we, and, you know, they've obviously oh my they've God. just pulled it off. Well played, Australian wow. story. They are sneaky buggers, aren't they? Two you never partners. know what they're working they on and then every- suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, by the way. They've got everyone. They've got everyone. We solved so- the Summerton Man mystery. Yeah. So anyway, that's going to be wow. what we're watching. Anyway, back to my original point, which is about things that get better and better set in Paris. <laughs> that's right. Via Mark Humphreys in, in Chapel. Chapel. Luke Longley. <laughs> Your ridiculous propensity for erasing text messages, which I will say, I just... The number of times that you have to text me to go through my, like, untended lady garden of text messages to find something that we were talking about or a recipe that I sent you four years ago or something. It's so, true. Yeah, I'm cheats not, of shame sales. It's true. I'm not going to lie. I tend to, what I do is like, so for example, now I'm deleting that Ian Chapel message because I replied to <gasps> Ian Chapel, so it doesn't need to be on my list anymore. It's done. So, see ya. So that's why Mark was done, because I watched the Riverdance video he sent me and oh then I deleted him. God, you are an <laughs> absolute monster. That You know, wow. Okay. Who's got the um, time to do that? Okay. Call anyway. my agent. I talked about right. it in a previous pod. I had just started watching it. I watched two episodes. And why is it good? Remind oh, me. Oh, God. Just... I loved it so much. So it's some sort of French. It's what? a French. It's a, an agency that represents actors, so they're agents. Right. And every episode is sort of, it's one of those shows where there's a running narrative that involves the key characters who are the people who work in the agency. Right. And then every episode has a kind of self-contained story that involves one of their actors' um, right. oh, experiences. Oh, okay. Oh, good. So, so sometimes so in the, French a- and the actors... Like, Exactly. So sometimes the act, well, all of the actors are very famous. If you if you knew French cinema, I'm sure they're all absolute gods. And then there's some that you know, like there's one with Monica Bellucci, there's one with Sigourney Weaver, and anyway, it's it's fantastic. Season three, episode one. For anyone who's watched Call My Agent, that's the episode where the actor (laughs) gets into character. He's he's playing this character who is you know, stuck in the wilderness and has to survive for weeks and weeks and weeks. And he's done a bit of a Daniel Day-Lewis and gone deep into character. Right. And then the film's finished <laughs> shooting, but he won't come out of character. So his <laughs> wife calls the agent to go, look, he's just living in the garden in a tent. He will not come out of character. I need you to come around and get onto this. Anyway, it's I, – I was laughing. When I was watching it, I had to pause because I was just in utter hysterics at one particular moment, which anyone who's seen the episode, you know the moment I'm thinking of. Um and then the entire next day, every time I would think about it, I would just dissolve into hysterics. The actor who, who I forget his name, but who's playing that role, he's one of those people where, you know how some people can be just, the look of their face can be so funny without them saying a word? Yeah. I find that guy on a Veep like this... Um, Gary Cole, where he said, Kent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kent. He can say not a single thing and you will just be cracking up at his face. This guy's face and the intensity of his embodiment of this character that he's in. My God, I, it was so funny. I reckon there isn't actually, I reckon Gogglebox, the version just featuring you watching everything <laughs> from reality TV to like French bloody comedy would be extremely worth it. Oh, I would watch that. The one that I always wished that I had had someone filming me to get my reaction was in that doco about Fire Festival. Oh. And again, anyone who's Still watched it. Still the greatest doco, isn't it? Like Fire 
That anecdote where the guy tells, you know, again, not to ruin it, but the water bottles anecdote, everyone knows what I'm talking about if you've seen it. I reckon the range of emotions that went across my face in that one and a half minutes, it was the full, I reckon it was the full gamut of human emotion <laughs> across my face, including the final bit when when he sort of concludes the anecdote, my relief and then just hysteria. I was watching it on a plane. The person sitting next to me must have been thinking, what is going on? Because I just dissolved into like, you know that laughter of relief when yeah. you do sometimes in reality? I was just like completely lost control of my emotions in complete hysteria. God, I might just go back and watch that film again just for pleasure. Oh, or just at least that bit. But Call My Agent, um, it's this... It's really well written and the characters are brilliantly fleshed out and it's fantastic. It's it, I didn't actually binge it in that I didn't watch episode after episode in a go. Mm. I'd like what, watch one episode and then the next night I'd watch another one or I'd leave it two days and watch another because yeah. it was like, you know, a lot of French things. It was rich and great and you just only needed a mouthful or oh. a small little weffer and then you felt sort of like well, that was so pleasurable I just want to savour it. And also it's got lots of beautiful shots in Paris and because we can't go anywhere at the moment it felt sort of, you know, wonderful just seeing Paris. Anyway, they felt it was one of those shows where at the end I felt a bit like, oh, I'm going to miss these people when they're not in my life anymore. Well, they're so like only one series is there. Four. Oh, four series, there are only six right. episodes each. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. Well, I'm putting that on my list. Actually, while you were talking I was remembering a series that I saw many years ago that I think I wouldn't mind seeing again. Oh my god! I just I just looked it up while I was talking to you, and it's from two thousand and three, so oh. like nearly twenty years ago. Uh, what Far was out, it? man! What was Called it? Absolute Power. It um, stars um, Stephen Fry. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's made by Mark Tavener, and it was just on the BBC. I'm sure you'd find it somewhere. Um, but it's um, <laughs> Stephen Fry is the principal of a. PR agency, right? And so it's basically like you know the West Wing, but PR agents, you know, so right. there's constantly like absolute debacles that they kind of have to deal oh, yeah. with. Oh, yeah, okay. And it's just, it's brutal. Like it's a bit veepish. It's, okay. Yeah, it's kind of shocking but so funny well, and definitely call, worth digging out. For you, Call My Agent, funnily enough, it did remind me a bit of the Bureau. It's nothing like it. Yeah. But um, just oh, God. <laughs> set in France. But it's a good companion piece because it sort of could give a bit of relief from the relentless tension of the Bureau. Like the Bureau oh, yeah. gets like the Americans at a certain point where you're just like, I can't, can't bear it. I yeah. can't stand this. This is just full on. Um, but the, the Call My Agent, it's the same sort of heightened French passion and there's a in the bureau there's a character called Marie Jeanne who's she's Guillaume's handler right. she's very competent sort of but quite frank yeah. abrupt kind of woman there's a woman Andrea in Call My Agent very similar kind of personality right. type and yeah. so puts you a bit in mind of um, of that oh god well thank you for the bureau anyway I've been you know oh, good I'm, yeah I'm, I'm deep I'm deep in it um, excellent we've been work- working through these different phases of you know kinds of movies that we're watching with the kids recently and we like went through very unsatisfactory space movie stage. I hate space movies. Just really annoying. You just feel totally uncomfortable the whole time because you're aware that they don't have any oxygen and it makes me feel just, you know, (laughs) uncomfortable at just a constant buzzing, annoying level. And then I just think, oh, just go home. I just can't, you know, we watched The Martian and we watched, oh, that stupid one with... Sandra Bullock, who I like. Oh, yeah. Um, Someone with George Clooney in it as well. Oh, yes. George Clooney's we're floating around somewhere, <laughs> you know, twiddling with connections for gas, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't know. And the old Matt Damon making, you know, growing potatoes in his own excrement. I'm like, why? I don't need it. I don't need to have that, like, stop it with the space movies. Just 
you know. God. Oh. Right. Okay. Anyway, sorry, that's out of the way. That was, I, I, you know, I didn't know I felt that strongly oh, okay. about it until I started talking. But one good phase that we've been through recently is the um, animal documentary or mockumentary phase. I'll admit it's only consists of two films, but we watched Best in Show, oh, which that's is like great. Christopher one Guest's, of the you know, classics. mockumentary of yep. um, people uh, preparing their dogs for a major dog show, Superb American equivalent crops. Yeah. Cross- never say that word. Um, it's a terrifically funny film. Um, while I was, uh, just after we watched it, and if you are watching it with kids, I would just say put it on mute for about the first two minutes because the first scene is a couple talking to their therapist about how their Weimarana has seen them having sex and it's been <laughs> like a bit weird ever since. So if you don't want to hear sex discussed with a therapist and a Weimarana, um, then just like turn down the rest of it fine um but um i did as i always do after i watch a christopher guest film googled christopher guest to remember what is it that's interesting about him and was reminded that he's married to jamie lee curtis oh has been for 20 years oh there you or, go you know a million years or have a long distance that um uh information was entered to the internet um and the when i um put Christopher Guest into my search engine, you know how there's always like questions that drop down. I'm always interested every day when I Google you, for instance, and, um, you know, the drop down is <laughs> married or not. Is that red hair real? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, um, Lisa's partner, Lisa's husband, yeah. Lisa's boyfriend. Yeah. Lisa's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but like um, Christopher Guest's are. Uh, is it true that Christopher Guest is married to Jamie Lee Curtis? And then the second one is, is it true that Christopher Guest has six fingers? Which is like one of the best <laughs> oh, drop downs ever, that's right? Amazing. Let Which me he do doesn't, yours. but one of the characters, is, I think, in. Um, in um... Let me do yours right now, actually. Oh, God. While we're, while we're live to air. Oh, good. Look. Let's see. Oh, hang on. No, it I have a it mental health policy of hang not on. Googling myself. Annabelle Crab. It's never, it's never good. Annabelle Crab. Annabelle Crab husband is number Ooh. one. Annabelle Crab newsletter. Annabelle Crab misrepresented. Annabelle Crab Twitter. Annabelle Crab podcast. Annabelle Crab glass potatoes. Wow, the potatoes. There you go. go, spuds. Let me look at mine. Lee Sales 2021, 7.30. Lee Sales book. Lee Sales salary. Lee Sales Twitter. Lee salary. Sales son. So they're interested in my potatoes, but your salary. That's interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Funny. Um, hey, so I read a book that I quite enjoyed. Oh, my God. No. Oh, yeah. Can we hold that? Yes. Because I haven't finished the second bar yes. of my amusing animal-based oh, yeah, yes. documentary okay. thing. Oh, this is an wait, actual documentary more. and it's on, I want to mention it because it's on iView. So you can watch it for free. A no, a documentary. It's called Chicken People. Yeah. And it's about um, people breeding fancy chickens for the Ohio poultry show. Oh, oh my I God. It is. It is. Just heart piercing in the way that documentaries about people with a very special interest often are. Aww. So there's about four or five central characters who are each preparing a different kind of chicken. So right. because there's, you know, um, there's long legged pullet, you know, and whatever, like there's all the different, um, you know, bantam type varieties and uh, they each have a different one but they're all going for best in show at the uh, at the uh, at the The poultry yeah poultry fair it is so great. I, I love mean, those kind yeah. of docos if they're told in a non-judgy kind of way. Oh, no, this is, yeah. yeah, this is really, you know, I mean, you do develop your own opinions about some of them, but it's just a really interesting profile into what happens when you invest so much in a, you know, some would say 
fairly marginal pursuit. Yeah, right. This guy's like bred 10,000 chickens just to get the perfect, oh, God. you know, wing feather. Yeah. Did you say this is on iView? Yes, it is. Okay, good. I'll I would really recommend little, it. A little bit of a look. It is good fun and very fine to watch with kids. Kids um, loved it. So Sorry, you were about to say. I was about to say. Back to me. Um, I, I read a book called Brat by Andrew McCarthy. <gasps> oh, okay. Now I saw a little something about that and I must admit my first thought was sales is going to be up that like a rat up a drain pipe. Like do not try and get between sales in that book because McCarthy. Now McCarthy, he was now he was Mr. Sort of Smouldering Rich Boy. That was his, yeah, that was his that kind was his of John Hughes Although persona. Although that wasn't what he... What he and came from he reality. also pioneered the old 80s uh, wearing a sports jacket with the uh, sleeves Just pushed up. up. Oh, rolled up. Mm. So he was um, – so if you sort of – racking your brains going, Andrew McCarthy, who was he? So he was one of the members of the Brat Pack along with yep. Rob Lowe, Emilio boy, Estevez. The, sort of the rich boy in Pretty in Pink. Yeah, rich boy in Pretty in Pink. He was in St Elmo's Fire. He was a staple of those yeah. – that series of films. Um, he was in a film called Class with Rob Lowe mm. and Jacqueline Bissette. God, that's um, right. I forgot about that was, film. He was in – uh, mannequin with Kim Cattrall. God, so he was. And he was in a film that was huge at the time called Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, God, yeah, Have right. Have you okay. seen that recently? Does oh, it, not recently, no. I was no. going to ask if it holds up because I remember at the time. If it holds up. I, mean, I, was I don't know if it held up at the time, did it? Like, yeah. I just think it was pretty creaky back then. It's a funny premise, but I just it seems to me like something that would be funny for three minutes and not an hour and a half. But when I was 14 or 15, I certainly found it pretty funny. But I'd be wondering if it's I It's one of those enough. films that's that's made it into kind of political parlance too because people yeah. sort of say, oh, it's like, Weekend at Bernie's oh, and then we're yeah. popping up this dead, you know, exactly. political figure. So his writing style, he, he wrote a book, like a travel kind of book um, a few years ago. God, and that it sounds was boring. really well received. Oh, was no, it? he's oh. really apparently a great writer. Wow. Anyway, he, his writing is good and he's, he's observational. He's got a very nice wry kind of voice. Anyway, there was one bit that I laughed aloud at a few times, but there's a bit where he talks about – so the book's basically about being in the Brat Pack and how – he was, even though he's sort of included in it, he was never really friends with those people. He didn't hang out with them off oh, set. Okay. So he felt a bit like he'd been sort of lonely, handsome, rich boy. Brush, mm. with this kind of brush that he never really I'm fit. I'm so handsome. I'm so brooding. <laughs> my eyes are so liquid. I don't know what to do with my hands. Now he works um, behind the camera. He was never really that comfortable being in, he loves oh. film, but he was never that comfortable being in front of it. So he's a director now. I think he directed some of Orange is the New Black, actually. Oh, did he? Anyway, wow. he talks. Did he have to sort of significantly disfigure himself? I mean, he was sort of a victim of his own. No, I googled him to see what he looks like today. Still a very handsome kind yeah. of man. Um, anyway, he talked about there's this anecdote where he's writing about being at acting school and just how he goes into this class with this um, sort of Greek acting teacher who's right. really crushing and basically says, you know, you're a loser, you're never going to amount to anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and how a woman that he eventually married came up to him after the class and was sort of quite kind to him after he'd right. been just annihilated by this guy. <laughs> anyway, he says, he finishes the anecdote by going, I never did another scene in Nikos's class. He died in 1989, never having had the opportunity to see my subtle and nuanced work in Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> Yes, I mean, yeah, oh, I assume this diary is all going to be a bit like, you know, haunted. It's blah, a little blah, blah, bit like blah. that, but it's got, but as I said, he's got his kind of right. Handsome haunted, to his voice. also a bit funny. But yeah, it was an, it's, it's just an interesting, I mean, look, it's a particular kind of problem, but that, you know, the downside of celebrity. Yeah, um, but I mean, do you have, do you actually have a natural 
capacity for this sort of memoir. I don't think you do. I think you could. Oh, you I could, love you could to just, read it. Yeah, you could. Oh yeah, I love reading. No, it. I mean like you don't have a you know a maximum occupancy of these sorts oh, of memoirs. Just keep you would just like, over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I can popcorn. read as many yeah. as the universe dishes up. Um, <laughs> it's interesting too because he's got. I've read Rob Lowe. Rob Is it Lowe. just because of your own fame and struggles with like being? Like one exceptionally of the most beautiful, beautiful women on television. It is. It's it's hard to. Um, I read Rob Lowe had a memoir a few years back, which I'm sure oh, I've yeah. talked about. It's stories I tell my friends. Yeah. I, think. Um, I still haven't read that yet. I'm, I'm, these are all on my lists of you know. Rob Lowe has an amazing inconsequential memoirs to enjoy. <laughs> Rob Lowe is a very sunny kind of personality, as you probably would be if you looked like Rob Lowe, if you went through life looking like that. Um, McCarthy tells this funny story how he's um, walking past Rob Lowe's dressing room and Rob's just eating a sandwich in front of the mirror looking at himself (laughs) eat the sandwich in the mirror. And McCarthy says something like, you know, why are you you looking at yourself like that? And then Joel Schumacher or somebody's walking past the room and he says something like, wouldn't you? It's so funny. Anyway, I, was, I was watching the first series of West Wing the other day. I had just given up on the day. Like it was, I just was having such a shitty day that I, um, I self-comforted by watching a couple of episodes of series one oh. of uh, of the West Wing. And Rob Lowe is great. Like he's oh, he's, he's, he's such yeah. a good actor. He's anyway, funny yeah. too. Yeah, I super love funny. him in Austin Powers when he's pretending to be he's young Robert Wagner. Oh, and his Robert yeah, Wagner yeah. impersonation yeah. is great. Also, Parts and Recreation. He's superb in that. Yeah, he's, he's that's a really great show to watch when you sort of can't think of anything to do because it's just the lineup of fantastic actors in Parks and Rec is just oh, yeah. ridiculously. Like, and there's so many episodes of it. Amazing for Rob Lowe that such a handsome man actually has managed, sort of shifted his career into quite a bit of comedy. Yeah, probably the sex tape might have done that. Yeah. <laughs> no, he did lots of films after the sex tape. No, I know. But I mean, a certain amount of um, self reflection and oh, sense yeah, of humour might be, you know, possibly required, required to survive something like that. Yeah. Yeah, mm. true. Hey, we've been going on forever. We have. Um, I meant to say, just this is just crass self-promotion, um, we did a podcast for Ms. Represented too where I'm talk- like there's a few um, other stories um, that I talk about with Steph Tisdall who is a, just a class A human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't miss that if you have. Um, there's about six episodes, all of which have found very easily wherever you find your great podcasts. Anyway. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Annabelle Crow. It is actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's go. See ya. See ya.